It's not too late to make some new choices. No. The blood is already on my hands. Right or wrong, I must follow the path to its end. I mean, I once saw a whole chorus line of purple wombats doing show tunes in my bathtub. Of course, I was pretty drunk at the time. Sheridan encounters an unexplained phenomenon. It was here. It attacked me. Now, it's controlling his mind. Delta One is launching. On an all-new Babylon 5. You have transmissions holding. Patch incoming signal. Full audio and video decode. Purple files accessed. What you are about to see has never been shown to anyone outside the break house. there in podcast land welcome to grade 17 a babylon 5 podcast a part of the front row network and npr illinois community voices we are a group of first ones who have watched the show way too many times and newbies who are watching for the very first time i'm scott and with me is emily blake mike jesse andrew justin and kevin we are going to start out talking about the episode with our newbies. We'll get their first impressions. We'll chat about the episode itself, and then we'll end up with their predictions and questions they have after the episode has been watched. And then we will kick them out the airlock, and our first ones will continue the conversation with spoilers. I say all this because there was a lot more people that watched the episode last week. So hopefully you carried over this week and you're here for your second episode. I hope. And if you are here watching or listening, be sure to subscribe, click the like buttons, click that notify button. If you're on YouTube and also submit a review to us, it's been a while since we've gotten an iTunes Apple review, and I would love to have some more of those. So send those in. Also, if you're listening on Audible, because we are on Audible, you can send a review in there, or you can also send in any kind of review on your podcast app of choice. Along with that, you can join the conversation on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. All the links are down below. And we have our Patreon, where you can join up on our Discord server, as well as get some behind-the-scenes info as we go and help the show grow as well. And we also have merch, and somebody bought a mug last week. Thank you to somebody who bought a mug. We have our merch, which is linked down below as well. All I have to say is if you are one of those people that watched us last week for the first time, we apologize that this is the next episode you get to watch with us. <laughs> it's not that bad. <laughs> it's not that good either, but it's not that bad. Uh, as I mentioned, we didn't get any new reviews on Apple or anything, but we've gotten some new people to join us over on our Facebook page. So I wanted to read one, and that is from... James says, I just started listening to your podcast finally. Been a long, lifelong fan and watched countless times. Sounds like it could be a fun ride. My partner watched it for the first time a couple of years ago, and it was fun remembering what she said and what the other uh, newbies have said as well. Interesting that no one brought up there's a hole in your mind. I think you should go back and watch the first couple episodes, James. Just going to throw it out there. Should probably check that one out. But welcome aboard. So before we get started talking about knives, Mike, I believe you have synopses for us. 
this week on Babylon 5. John Sheridan goes ghost adventuring in Gray Sector, and Londo is forced to confront... Fuck, I lost my chain of thought. (laughs) And Londo is forced to confront some consequences of his actions. I feel no need to edit that at all. I think I'm just that way. (laughs) That was perfect. Fuck. So I'm looking forward to talking about the Babylon Triangle with all of you guys, because it's such an amazing part of this episode. Let's get into first impressions first, though. Jesse, first impressions on Knives. If if last episode was your first episode listening to this, let me introduce myself as the one that absolutely hates a lot of things about this show. I hated this episode. Like, listen, I would watch TKO 10 times over having to watch this one again. I dis-fucking-liked it. So I hated the A-plot. I hated the B-plot. I thought they were both stupid. We only got to see Ivanova, like, five seconds yeah no not a fan jesse could you try that again and tell us how you really feel? <laughs> a little I less just, angry lesbian this, energy is this, time. <laughs> this is a safe space <laughs> wow i am absolutely the person he was talking about in that comment and she just came out so it is what it is i hated it i listen i like was watching it and i was getting like first season vibes i'm like the no i don't want to go back and that's where I found myself, like Andrew. dreading the entire episode. Coming from the same person who hated every moment Ivanova was on screen for how long? Right. Oh. And now all she wants is more Ivanova. Eight, She's not Takashima! Yeah. No, I, listen, I can't wait to listen to that Beyond the Rim when we're all done. Oh, I know we laughed at you so much. Mad shit about me the whole time. We should do like the review of the show episode by episode like let's listen to the beyond the rim with the newbies and talk about it oh god <laughs> awesome we should do it Honestly, special that way you know just take some beyond the rim and we just talk about a few of them i would yeah. say i would say we do that just with some of us after this is done like i yeah. wouldn't mind doing mm-hmm. that this is some bonus content. Let's t- look at the episode where we said Justin was an idiot. And let's look at the episode where we said Jesse was an idiot. And so forth and so on. Like and everyone. But, uh, but the flip, no, the flip side is... the episode is, where Emily won the tinfoil hat. Exactly. <laughs> the flip side is there'll be episodes, hey, let's watch the episode where we had to pretend that uh, this person didn't make the perfect prediction that actually outlined the entire right. show and their prediction. Because that's <laughs> happened a couple times. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Or has it? i didn't say who okay um yeah so thanks jesse for that yeah anything i can do for you guys we're happy to have you back (laughs) (laughs) andrew first impressions on knives yeah so kind of 50 50 on the episode i really liked the b plot which we should, should we establish what the A plot and B plot are? I would say the A plot, because it's the title of the episode, is the, you know, the sword fight right. and the Londo stuff. And the B okay, plot would be the, to... what the hell is happening to Sheridan. <laughs> okay, B plot of Sheridan. I'll have to remember to change that in my notes. If you had a different uh... plot in mind, <laughs> please, please share. So if you have a third plot point, perhaps you watched the wrong episode. Anything. Does this happen too? Anything would be better happened. than the B plot. Okay, so I get the Londo plot. The Londo plot I really enjoyed. The B plot I was interested in, uh, but ultimately I was kind of disappointed by it. Like it, it all just felt really convoluted. My main takeaway is I'm actually now more scared than ever about Londo's future on Babylon Five. 
<laughs> Justin looks like somebody came in his eye. Hey, okay. I just got Ben Gay in my eye. Oh, Ben Gay. I was close. Mm. It's been a day. <laughs> it's been a day. Okay, it's he's, uh, my, he's just like yar. My penis is also burning like the fire of a thousand suns. Oh god! Okay? All right, it's, oh, it's been a day. Pretty sure there's a warning on the bottle that says don't put that thing. <laughs> I didn't put it there. I didn't realize it was on my hands, and then I did things, and then now it's everything's on fire. So okay, we have we have been. So uh, who was he who had risen? <laughs> Not that you sick fucking pervert. This is what happens when we record on Easter Sunday? Oh, <laughs> We're all going to hell. I touched things and it got bad. I don't know. Don't get me started on dragging up eggs and then hating drag queens. Oh boy. Okay. What Ron Williams saying in his stand up? Bunnies don't lay eggs. What is this? <laughs> oh my God. Okay. I'm okay. Let's continue. <laughs> Are you? Oh, now you're going to make me go? Okay. The rest well, of us might like... not be okay for a bit yet. <laughs> okay, fine. Emily, first All right, no, I can go. Well, I okay, can go. fine. Let's do it. God damn it. <laughs> um, it's very meh. Uh, I I titled this song, uh, this this episode in my brain as uh, Sheridan makes a new imaginary friend and Londo stabs a real one. <laughs> and that's uh, pretty much pretty it's... Why did yeah, you give why the synopsis? Why did you do the synopsis this week? Yeah. <laughs> But um, honestly, I like the Blondo plot a lot. I thought it was very revealing for his character and something that I think a lot of us have been wanting to see of him finally expressing some regret and remorse. And it's actually really infecting him at this point. Yeah, the Sheridan plot was absolutely nonsense, except the fact I have questions about the baseball scene. But that's pretty much really all I have to talk about regarding Sheridan. Um, Like, where the fuck did they put the baseball stadium in the first place? But... Um, actually, I liked Franklin in this enough to say that he, the change in him to where he's now taking pride over being compared to his father, I thought was actually kind of mm. cool. Nice little so, callback. Yeah, but that's pretty much what I've got to say at this about this point. I will say the baseball stuff was brought up in the Lurker's Guide, so you were not alone, and I'm sure we'll talk about it. Emily, first impressions. Um, yeah, I've already forgotten most of what happened because I just was not into it. It was not great. Um, Londo seeing a little bit more of his character develop was nice, but something about it just felt weird. And then whatever that weird, freaky pterodactyl thing was that Sheridan may or may not have been hallucinating, I don't really know what to do with that. So, yeah, I'm I'm still unsure on this one. I mean, we've all had some kind of drugs in our system at one point or another, right? We've all seen a freaky pterodactyl at least once. Speak for yourself, sir. <laughs> okay, maybe it was just me. Your freaky pterodactyl might be a little bit different than the rest of ours. <laughs> we already know what Justin's freaky pterodactyl is, so it's fine. <laughs> oh, God. I was just going to ask whether or not you thought that the pterodactyl married Sheridan or not. <laughs> no, they did not get married. <laughs> They'll answer that beyond the rim. <laughs> Inside your rim. This was supposed to be a short episode, folks, because there's not much to talk about, but it's we're recording this uh Easter Sunday and we're all a little loopy. So like you haven't met us before. I don't know what you were thinking. Again, we have we had double the viewership that we usually have. So 
assuming <laughs> this is a lot of people's second episode. So I I'm feel sorry. so sorry and, for. And will they have a third? <laughs> no, not after this. Please go back and start at like episode. I would say like ten of season one, and and then just go from there. Like, don't if this is your second episode, I need you to just do better. But we need you to realize <laughs> that we do learn how to pronounce Ivanova's name. Just right. remember that when you go back to episode ten. Stick to, with us. Yeah, <laughs> hang out with us. <laughs> okay, let's go to the first ones now. Kevin, first impressions. Well, I. I enjoy seeing Carmen Argenziano in this episode. Um, I remember that Peter said that he had a lot of fun recording with him, uh, excuse me, filming with him uh, during this episode, and they had to learn to sword fight together as well. So it was a very involved episode. And it was also very involved because him and Stephen first had to learn to JMS's satisfaction the operatic uh piece uh near the beginning of the episode so i know that peter thinks very uh fondly back on this episode i i really enjoy the a plot on this episode the b plot is terrible um it's extremely forgettable but i think for londo's journey this is a really good episode it shows you some consequences of his of his choices it it shows you know the the loss of friends as power ascends you know it it has a lot of really good themes in the in the a plot but i mean the b plot is completely throw something that can be thrown away mike first impressions yeah pretty much echo what uh, kevin and, and andrew uh said i i do actually really enjoy the londo plot in this episode i think there's a lot of really top-notch acting and i think it's great to see uh londo come to face to face with consequences of some of his actions and i think there are some other interesting little tidbits sprinkled in there too that we can we'll talk about but um meanwhile on the other side of the coin you know um <laughs> sheridan goes on a ghost hunt sees a dead body and starts tripping balls and who hasn't been to portland am i right guys <laughs> <laughs> no shit so uh <laughs> yeah completely forgettable it's a big waste of time there um you know, this one for me is it's a good it's a good character piece, but um, it doesn't do a lot to advance things. So I I could kind of take it or leave it. Blake and and to Mike's point, as someone who does live in Oregon, I'm just saying there are some brownies out here that will make you see flying things. <laughs> Putting that out there, but I'm I'm a lot closer to Jesse on this episode. It's not one of my favorites. I mean, it does have some good acting in it, and I. Part of it, I wonder, we had this discussion last week, right, with the viewing order of the show. And this is kind of one of those, in production, this was actually supposed to come before In the Shadow of Zahadoom. And then the payoff to this episode with Sheridan seeing the ship his wife was on was supposed to then come in the episode after, not the episode before. So minor thing, but uh, due to the special effects, this episode got delayed so that In Shadow of Zahadoom came out first, followed by Knives. But I just, it's not a favorite of mine. It doesn't really add to the story much. It doesn't have that in it. Maybe if it was back in the other order, that might change my perspective of it a little bit, mar marginally, but it's, it's not a favorite. I don't care for either story arc in it, um, in part because they're both standalone. Neither really go anywhere. It, you know, we didn't see where Londo gets anymore. We've already seen the path he's on. This doesn't do anything to change that. Uh, this doesn't do anything for Sheridan either. Yeah, we started out last week with In the Shadow of Zaha Doom saying it was, you know, in the top 10 rated episodes of all time, actually tied in the top nine. 
I went back and looked at the Lurker's Guide P5 score for knives, and it's in the top eight of the least liked episodes of the entire show. It is the least liked episode of season two, and there's only one episode left in the entire series that you guys haven't seen yet that's rated less than knives. And when we get to that episode, it's going to be a fun conversation. I'll tell you about it. Don't worry. <laughs> and, I, and I will say, actually, Blake said nothing comes of this episode. That episode is alluded to in this episode. Yeah. And I will leave it at that. Well, I'm not going to go like, back oh, and really? rewatch it. So, yeah, don't worry about it. I'll, I'll bring it up. I'll remind you. <laughs> so the one thing that this episode is really important for, and I'm, I'm with Kevin, too. I think the the Ursa Londo story is fun to watch i enjoy watching uh peter just be able to act and have fun the sheridan stuff is a complete and total bore i actually almost caught myself dozing off when he was on cnc which when i'm trying to watch this episode in order to review it later dozing off is not a good sign but the reason why this episode is important is something that i've been kind of talking about i haven't been hinting at it. i've been flat out saying it to you all season is that we are here. This is the last script written by Larry Dottilio. This is it. There will not be a script written by anyone other than J. Michael Straczynski between now and one episode in season five. This is where he takes over the running of the show completely. Not that he wasn't running the show already, but now he is the only writer of the show. So starting with our next episode, Confessions and Lamentations, through all but one more episode, it is all written by JMS. So read into that as you will. Let's go ahead and start talking about the episode proper. And let's get the Sheridan fever dream out of the way first. Who wants to talk about Sheridan and his little friend that joined for the ride along? Andrew does. Andrew, go right ahead. Well, since we already kind of alluded to it, uh, the baseball diamond. Why do they have a baseball diamond? And baseball. Okay, granted. Um <laughs> But why is Pepper not allowed? Is that where I dozed back? off? What the hell are we talking about it, Pepper? I'm sorry. It could have been because uh, it's, I remember seeing it in the second baseball scene, but behind uh, Garibaldi and Sheridan, there's no Pepper, like spray painted on the wall. You clearly watched this episode more than I did. <laughs> wow. I did watch it twice. Yes. I'm sorry. I got nothing. I, anyone uh, else want to weigh I in on the pepper? I didn't either. We'll discuss that beyond the rim. No, we won't. Hundred <laughs> percent. No, we won't. I'm sorry, Andrew. I, I seriously got nothing for you on that one, buddy. Sprinkle pepper on the shadows, and they shrivel right up. <laughs> Spoilers of the slugs. <laughs> okay, wait, wait, wait. I actually. Oh, Andrew I just googled. Me. I just googled baseball. No pepper. Don't Google things. You <laughs> baseball's not a Babylon Five exclusive thing. You don't know that. <laughs> I hope pepper you get spoiled. Pepper means that the player is not allowed to hit a ball without pepper with pepper in it. That what? The Thank you for the clarification. Oh, time out. <laughs> What's pepper about? I found uh, it. Don't use it. What? <laughs> oh oh. Uh, oh God, we're uh, so the better. Well, now we're wondering what peppering means. We are uh, not. You are. <laughs> this is a shit show. <laughs> Can you tell this episode's boring? <laughs> I want to know. Go ahead. 
Pepper, uh, the batter was peppering his teammates with the baseball, sprinkling the ball to it. So I guess like a, a gentle throw. But it's so a machine pitcher. Machines can be hacked. They can be adjusted. Fuck. Okay, Justin. Take it back. What would you I don't like... want to know. <laughs> okay, I, I, I'm done with the baseball. Justin, what would you like to add to this great conversation about sci-fi? I don't even remember anymore. Um, I, I, you lost me at Pepper. I mean, shit. Um, gay in his eye. I guess. Yeah, I guess the really the only thing that I took from the whole baseball thing, other than having that first, where the hell did they manage to put a baseball diamond in there? But the station is five miles long, so it doesn't surprise me they found a little bit nook or cranny somewhere to fit, you know, some kind of recreation area. Um, I noticed early on that Sheridan was hitting it the ball very well. Like, oh, that's a home run. Oh, there it goes. Oh, another great hit. And Garibaldi gets up there and just smacks foul ball after foul ball after foul ball. But then later on in the episode, it's reversed, where Sheridan starts kind of really hitting the ball very badly when he's forced to take time off and everything like that. And just that change in dynamic throughout that episode was really one of the only things of that whole plot line that really I paid any attention to or kind of made any sense to me, other than being fascinated trying to read Sheridan's hat, and I can't for the life of me figure out what the hell is even on it. I don't know, but as somebody who has a, a Niners uh, shirt from Deep Space Nine, I kind of want it for the set. I also did the, like the pinstriping of the B5. The B5 shirt. baseball jersey, yeah. 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 I kind of, I've, I've, I've got, based on my old hockey jersey ideas, I've got, I've got ideas now. Excellent. Let's let's get into the baseball a little bit more, because unlike Andrew, who just throws shit at us, Blake actually gave us the link in the chat. So Blake, the Wikipedia says peppering is an exercise in baseball and pepper is a common pregame exercise in which one player hits brisk grounders and line line drives to a group of fielders who are standing about 20 feet away. The fielders throw balls to the batter who use a short light swing to hit the ball on the ground towards the fielders. The fielders field the ground balls and continue tossing the ball to the batter. This exercise keeps the fielders and batters alert and helps to develop quickness and good hand-eye coordination. As somebody who has coached baseball, I feel bad that I didn't know that, but whatever. I think this is actually has a point now, Andrew. After reading that, I honestly got to think this has a point because this came out in conversations on the Usenets, believe it or not. And the Lurker's Guide has a whole little thing about it because B5 is spinning. So there is a Coriolis effect. And when you hit the ball in the air, chances are the ball is going to hit a different gravity than... Uh, so basically, like, you know, if you hit a ball at, um, at the Rockies uh, field in Denver, it's going to go farther because there's less atmosphere. Well, on B5, you have different gravity levels the higher or the closer you get to the center of spin. Actually, lower gravity levels. I'm sorry, you lose gravity as you get closer to the center of spin. So maybe the peppering would be a problem because the ball is going to change dynamics and physics based on the spin of the station. I'm trying. I really am. That's all I got. Um, also, Scott, I think his hat, for to just question, it was the Agamemnon, if I'm not mistaken. Was it? Yeah. Was it? Okay. It, it, was, it didn't yeah, look like B5, that's for sure. Yeah, it wasn't B5. It was the Agamemnon, I think. Cool. Well, I still want one. See, we're actually adding more to the lore right here. Thank you, Andrew and Justin, for taking part in this exercise. We appreciate it. Mike, what do you got? Okay. In, in addition to the pepper comment, because we're just going to go all in on this now. Sorry, British friends. Uh, so uh, 
pepper is a warm-up exercise it's actually banned at a lot of ball diamonds because of spectator and player safety um basically it's like an out of control game of uh pickle or you know just a lot a lot of balls getting hit really fast people get fast and loose it causes uh things to go off into the stands that aren't meant to go into the stands so you'll actually see no pepper signs at a lot of ball diamonds and when you're hitting balls you definitely don't want to get fast and loose (laughs) there you go you will commonly see in real life no no pepper signs at baseball did you actually know that mike or did you just google sure didn't okay i'm just checking (laughs) i believe he read the second box of the uh wikipedia page that was right below the part you read scott it's actually on baseballscouter.com great top-notch reporting guys you did mention our uk friends we are still the top 40 tv review podcasts in the united kingdom so hi to the 10 of you who are listening to this how are you jesse what do you got I, you asked about the fever dream and we've spent 10 minutes talking about peppering thank you andrew um could have talked so, about a lot worse things that's 100 the truth um so about the fever dream my issue with the fever dream was it was extremely confusing um the whole time and then the resolution to it wasn't much clearer like you see the whatever it was leave his body and go into whatever it went into and I still had no idea what was going on until he like explained it and when he's explaining it he's like oh yeah and then this and blah 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 and it was just so matter of fact and I was like this makes zero freaking sense to me whatsoever the whole thing was just a bunch of nonsense and I did not enjoy it I think my biggest takeaway was the fact that after all this time they like no one else on B5 bothered to clue Sheridan in on the fact that there's like the other space station that sometimes periodically yeah, phases into yeah. reality and then disappears again. That yeah, still that has tech. And then he's like, what? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, the fact that you have an entire sector of space that's relatively close because you can fly to it in a fighter that has been, you know, cordoned off and Sheridan who loves learning about all the weird shit and loves digging up conspiracies and everything else. Didn't have a clue about B4? Yeah. Although they did answer, Emily, you've been bringing this shit up so many times. Did they not make copies? Did they not make copies? Oh my God, did I was so happy it? seeing Garibaldi. Yeah. Garibaldi made a copy! I was, I was like, yes, Garibaldi made We've a copy. We've been talking about that beyond the rim for a while. Basically saying, Emily, shut the fuck up. They made copies. But now I can tell you, Emily, they made copies. Hey, I just wanted to see it to verify. <laughs> I think we were all like that too. Cause I was like, who freaking would give away all the records and not make a copy? I think we went on like a 20 minute tangent about that. We did. 20 minutes? Yeah. <laughs> Only it was several times? episodes. Cause then she brought up again. Did they make a copy this time? Hey, legit question. <laughs> no, I know Garibaldi can make a copy, but I don't know about Sinclair Sheridan yet. Oh my God. <laughs> She's never going to stop. <laughs> It just it just baffles me. We've had a lot of episodes now where I feel like there's been this like trust building going on between Sheridan and Garibaldi and mm-hmm. Sheridan and Ivanova. And, and we now know that they're all brought into like the inner circle that knows about the things, right? From yeah. like the Rangers and stuff. And then like this, just out of nowhere, they're like, oh, I knew we forgot to tell you about the, the <laughs> metaphysical space station <laughs> that sometimes appears outside. Remember, remember that time we time traveled? Forgot to tell you about like, that one. I mean, I guess there's not ever like a 
time when that just is appropriate to bring up but that, that one pilot who's not keffer died but we're not going to tell you about it <laughs> at all <laughs> anything else we want to talk about the sheridan plot i will say i i see what they're going for here okay it uh i i watch another uh person who does reviews of b5 or at least he had and he's finished it now uh his uh, he's called the lore runner on youtube and um he points out that this is one of the most Star Trekky Babylon 5 episodes you're going to find, and that's not a good thing. And it's because the plot is very much like Alien invades the ship and stuff happens. And at the end, nothing really happened. It goes right. away. Yep. Yeah, it's it, very much TNG, is it not? <laughs> that, yeah. that is honestly the first thing I thought of. a lot of, of the original series stuff, too. Yeah, yeah. that's true. Uh, yeah, well, and, and to that point, I feel it feels like it was a season one plot slash episode that found its way into half of season two somehow yeah and, and don't get me wrong i mean larry detilio has done a lot of great stuff he's one of the reasons why b5 made it to where it is but you can just tell that he's he's got a systematic approach he's very good at doing the inner character stuff i mean I, that's the one thing we all liked about tko which is another one he wrote but when it comes to moving the plot along he doesn't really do much of that. So I'm looking forward to how you guys feel about all JMS all the time as we move forward. So now we've gotten through the wannabe Twilight Sloan slash Star Trek episode part of this. So let's talk about the other part, which is Ursa and Londo. How do you guys feel about that part, the uh, A plot, or as Andrew put in his notes, the B plot? I thought one of the really interesting things about this episode was that um, – you know, it showed another Centauri who is not bloodthirsty for the Narns and would be against, you know, the, the stuff going on now and for, you know, Malachi's approach to things. I thought that was a really interesting aspect. And it showed the dichotomy between, you know, they had a similar upbringing, the two of them, Urza and Londo, but they had diverged, you know, since their upbringing tremendously. Justin? Well, and I I think the reason why I considered this particular plot point to be kind of, if not super important, but actually fits within the uh, storyline that we're kind of going through right now is it harkens back to a lot of stuff that actually got all this shit started back when the Emperor was wanting to make peace with the Narns instead of going to war. And Londo and Morden and um, Lord um, Re? Rifa. 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 At when um, Londo and Morden and Lord Rifa started kind of hatching plots and things went down. The emperor died. Uh, the prime minister was, you know, oh, committed suicide, but we all know he was murdered. And just kind of the chain of events that's getting us to where we are now. And we're kind of getting a, a glimpse of what's what life on Centauri Prime is like under this new emperor, where it kind of feels like Rifa and the Centaurum, am I getting that right? The Basically, their version of their Senate is kind of, I think, taking the reins away from the Emperor. And even like when Londo was aghast that his lifelong childhood ally and friend would dare be accused of treason, you know, where's the proof? There's no way they can have proof. Well, all you need now is an accusation. And that's kind of telling us the state of affairs of what things are looking like on Centauri Prime right now. And just how bad it is getting there. If you're not towing, you know, Rifa's line, you're going to find yourself in a lot of trouble. And how much did we see that back in the ancient Roman empire? So 
it it's to me i kind of enjoyed that little bit of behind the scenes of it of just to see kind of what's going on in the background that we're not seeing um as a result of londo's actions and you know the overthrow i guess you could consider it of of centauri prime and what they're dealing with right now yeah i'm I think that's one of the things that actually helps this episode is that we get to see a little bit of a glimpse into Centauri uh, culture. The one other thing, too, along with that is we get to see kind of a dichotomy between Rifa and Londo, both of which are now working towards the same goal. And we kind of got that the last time we we, we met Rifa is um, there because obviously they were both standing next to the old emperor on his deathbed and were both damned by the old emperor. So we see Rifa is just moving full steam ahead. He's, he's good to go. As he said in the episode, we saw him in last. Well, good to be damned if you can go ahead and make history. I think that one interesting dynamic shift that we're starting to see is until then, I think Londo thought he was in charge and this episode kind of points out he's not. He's yeah. kind of lost control of the situation, I think, because now Rifa's calling the shots back home and Londo is trying to kind of pick up you know he thought well you have to do what i say and reef is like "Eh, yeah kind of not so that's that's i think one important shift to take note of i i can see that too justin but the other thing i was getting at is how they handle destiny both reefa and londo have said to us a couple times now they believe they have a destiny and the centauri empire has a destiny centauri republic whatever and both of them are I'm bored with that, but Rifa is actually moving the pieces on the board, making sure that this is happening the way he wants to happen. Whereas in Londo is like, we have a destiny. It's going to happen. I can't stop it. I really don't want to stop it, but I'm also not going to be the guy over on Centauri Prime moving and shaking all of the pieces. So it, it's interesting to see that Londo is still hesitant with his destiny even though he's flat out telling Ursa, we we should be conquering. This is what we should be doing. This is what we're built for. So Londo has continued his long trip down to the dark side. Emily. I found um, Londo's interactions with his friends interesting, and especially when he starts to figure out just how disconnected he is. Like he's been on B5 thinking he knows what's going on, and he knew the Emperor died, but he was... And he knew there was a change that was going to happen, but he almost seemed to just ignore it as far as how it would affect him or anyone he knows. And now he's saying just how scary things are getting on Centauri. And um, the person he aligned with is probably a bad choice. Again, like Morden was a bad choice. And he's making a bad choice by working with Rifa. It was... I don't want to say nice, but it was good to see that he's starting to make that realization like, oh, shit, now I'm in deep, deeper than I realized I don't have the control I thought I had. I want to I want to dig a little deeper on that point real quick, Emily, because I, I see where you're coming from. But is he is he really recognizing that he's in deep or is he like, OK, well, um, Rifa I mean, told me I, I misread Rifa. But at the end of the day, Ursa, you're screwed anyway, because. This is where it's going. So does he really care what Reef is doing, aside from the fact that he misread him? I mean, he ended up having to kill his friend because Reef is doing some shit. So I kind of took that as like, it's 
whether or not he might admit to it, I think there's probably a level where he's going to have to really start battling within himself over what the hell is happening. I mean, he murdered it. He essentially had to murder his friend to save his friend's family. Mm-hmm. Mike, what do you got? Well, it's back up Emily's point, and, and you can jump in and tell me he was playing dumb or whatever, but he, Lando seemed genuinely surprised to learn that the prime minister had been assassinated. I, th- I think he was well aware when he when he signed up to be a co-conspirator with Rifa that, you know, people were going to get bounced out of their seats of power. But I don't think he was necessarily, maybe to your point, maybe he didn't care. Maybe he willingly turned a blind eye to it. But he he did genuinely seem surprised when, when Urza came and said the prime minister was assassinated. And then Londo went and was like, what? <laughs> Maybe I could be reading too deep into it, but at the very end of the episode, when uh, when he kind of like kicks uh, Veer out of his quarters and he says, uh, uh, I'd like to sleep now if I can, I could be reading too deeply into it. But I do think maybe like Londo's kind of just accepted the fact that he has to go down this path now, but he doesn't necessarily want to. It's yeah. cute how all of you still are like on the team Londo. He's misunderstood. He, he, he may have tried to murder a quarter million people, but he's misunderstood. Oh, I don't no, think he's fine. misunderstood. No, no, I don't think he's misunderstood. I think this he's is, made shit choices. This is the bet he's made. And yes, I've made the comment about I think he's actually starting to feel regret because I think at some point he is. But this is the bet he made, and now he has to sleep in it. Like he even says at the end, for better or for worse, right or wrong, I must follow this path to its end. Like... He knows he's in it for the long haul. There's nothing he can do to change it. But I think he's starting to kind of, you know, I I, I think Emily hit the point on the head perfectly. He's he's realizing he he made some bad choices in life, and now he's dealing with the repercussions of it. Yeah, I don't even know if it's regret necessarily. I think it's more like this is what has to happen for us to for for us to restore glory to the empire, which is his biggest desire, and he's just now not happy about it but accepting that he is maybe the bad guy he's the person who has to suffer to make it happen like he's finally starting to feel the actual weight of everything that's happening Mm -hmm. okay i can i can i can see that what'd you have mike that's it that's it (laughs) what do you think jesse (laughs) jesse fucking hated this episode (laughs) i did so much and i haven't felt like this since season one so i'm a little over it Great. I'm glad that you missed the conversation of an episode I think you would have liked. That was really sucky that you had to miss that episode and had to deal with this episode. I apologize. I I watched the episode. I just couldn't be here for the recording. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you talking about the Zaha Doom one? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I love that episode. Yeah, I watched that um, twice and started to watch it a third time. And then we made you watch Knives. And then I got to watch this gem. Well, you know, at the end of the day, I, I don't know. I don't think that this episode is like super egregious, particularly. I just think it's beneath where the show now is. And I think Agre- that's why I, it hurts. <laughs> I agree because exactly because we've been in season two where it's been like, it's good. It, yeah. Every episode is good. And this one is very much giving me season one vibes, early season one vibes. For as much as this episode gave us as far as information regarding Londo and what's happen- happening, you know, back home for him, I feel like it just fell flat. Mm-hmm. At yeah. Season one, I was napping. 
in between <laughs> um, episodes. I would turn it off, take a nap and wake back up and watch it. Like that, that's how much I fucking hated some of those episodes. And then like season two has not been like that at all. Like even the ones that were not good weren't like this one. This one, like I said, this one is very much, I need a nap to continue this nonsense. Yeah, and I, I think I feel the same way as you all do with this episode too, is I keep telling you how, you know, the gas has been pressed and everything's moving faster now and we're going to get even more serialized and it feels like somebody just hit the e-brake on us mm-hmm. this episode mm-hmm. and it's rough. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. Uh, luckily, there's not many more times where the e-brake gets hit, at least so what, in my so what Scott's saying is he's lied to all of you through this whole season. I so. had yeah. to keep them here, Blake. This is a long... <laughs> long twilight struggle ha 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 and i had to keep them here my sisters and my nephews were down for the weekend and i was watching it this morning and my two nephews were sitting there watching me people who like they've actually gone back and listened to some of our episodes and they've heard me talk a lot about the podcast and stuff like that and after the episode one of them just turns and she goes this is the show that you're watching (laughs) i'm like it's better dude it's better trust me it's not this bad Yeah, Mallory was definitely judging me when she was half watching this episode two. She's like, seriously? I'm like, this is the worst episode of season two. Hmm, That's good to know. Licorice guy would agree with you. So let's go ahead and put this thing, much like Urza, out of its misery and talk about questions and predictions. I am sure we're going to have so many. So let's go to Jesse first because she's shaking her head emphatically. Jesse, questions none. and predictions after knives. None, none. What the, can we not? My question is, can we never watch this episode again? That would be great. <laughs> no questions, no predictions. Are you Just writing that down, Scott? <laughs> let's move on. <laughs> 100%. Okay. Andrew, questions, predictions. Yeah, I have uh, two predictions. Uh, Urza turning on Londo, leading to Londo having to kill him, uh, is the beginning of more of the Centauri turning against Londo in, in his rise to power. Uh, and the other one is Londo will have Rifa killed as a, as an assurance. Hmm. Are you? Hmm. I feel like on those two predictions, I'm sorry. I feel like on those two predictions that you're like at the roulette table and you put some money mm. on black and some money on red to hedge your bets. Because in one, you're like, the Centauri are going to turn on Londo. <laughs> and in the other, Londo's going to get rid of Rifa to ensure that he continues to move forward. Well, I, I, I didn't say it was in that order. <laughs> I mean, I won't be sad to see Londo take out Rifa, so. <laughs> That's actually a smart prediction, Andrew. I like that. Yeah. That was just the order I came up with. <laughs> well, Justin, you're up next. Questions, predictions. Um, question. Is there a baseball league on Babylon 5, and how come we've never heard of it until now? And then uh, prediction is I just think going forward, you're going to start to see Londo have to deal with a lot more of his chickens coming home to roost, uh, so to speak. And even maybe in, so, you know, not necessarily overt ways, um he's just gonna have a lot of shit going forth he's going to deal with because we've been talking a lot about events back on earth and where we think earth gov is going but there's some shady shit to uh to to quote our dear nicole who's not here um there's some shady shit going on in centauri prime too that we're gonna have to keep our eyes on and emily questions predictions i got three questions Will Lando actually start putting in effort to be better informed about what's happening back home 
since he had mentioned he had been so disconnected, he really didn't understand what was going on. Um, how will this change his interactions with Rifa going forward since they've been conspiring together? And when he stabbed Ursa, did he stab more than his abdomen, given what we know about uh, <laughs> <laughs> anatomy? Yes. Jesus Christ. Hurt my dick, coach. <laughs> you know, we've got at least a few episodes without talking about Centauri penises or peni, and mm-hmm. so Emily just had to bring it back. And how many dicks did he sever? 37. Oh, wait. I almost thought that said. when you see him in the abdomen, you're like, wait a minute. What else being severed here? Like, is this even worse than, I don't know. You seem that painful. <laughs> I didn't even think about that. I'm too worried about my own dick right now to worry about anyone else's. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, we'll see you all here next week for Confessions and Lamentations. And while Justin calls the telenurse, you can go ahead and <laughs> click on all the buttons except for the down arrow. Don't click on that one. Make sure you subscribe and click the notify button if you're on YouTube, or make sure you click the follow or subscribe button, and be sure to leave a review for us. It really helps the show grow. And join us over at Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and check us out there and have conversations with all the newbies and all the first ones as we really figure out what the hell to do after Knives. We will be back here next week to talk Confessions and Lamentations and... If you've already watched the show or you don't care about spoilers, stick around after the credits as we answer, I guess, these questions and predictions that the newbies have thrown out at us. I am Scott, and with me has been... Emily. Mike. Mike. Jesse. Andrew. Dustin. And Kevin. So we will see you next week, and I apologize. Goodbye. (laughs) Goodbye. (laughs) Awesome. That was fucked. (laughs) Thank you for listening to Gray 17, a Babylon 5 podcast. You can find all the places to listen to and watch this podcast at anchor.fm slash gray17podcast or youtube.com at gray17podcast. We want to hear from you, so join the conversation at Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, or Patreon. Be sure to subscribe and leave a review where you are listening to or watching this podcast. Gray17 is not affiliated with, and the podcast has not been prepared, approved, or licensed by Warner Brothers or any other owners of the Babylon 5 copyright. All clips included in this podcast are the intellectual property of the respective copyright holders. They are included here for purpose of review, and no infringement is intended. The opening and closing themes are available from Falling Matter on YouTube. And what's out there? The rim. And beyond that? The truth. Welcome to those of you who have stuck around for Beyond the Rim because I'm sure you're looking forward to all the in-depth conversations we're going to have about Centauri Peni, but we're here for it. We're here for it. Uh, Let's go ahead, guys, and dive right into these amazing questions from Knives. The first one is, can we never watch this episode again? Question mark. I would say yes. No, I want to watch it again. (laughs) Okay, no one's going to play. No, it. in all seriousness, is is this episode relevant in the grander scheme of things? No, not really. So there's really not any reason to swoop back to it, in my opinion. Well, this is the frustrating thing. I try to, I kind of, we all four of us kind of hit on it without going into too much detail, but none of this fucking matters. Londo is already on the path he's on, and we'll talk about the Rifa stuff here in a minute, but none of that matters. 
Sheridan now knows about B4, but that doesn't fucking matter anyway, because when he gets tagged along for War Without End, it's really Delenn saying, get your ass on the ship, here we go. I mean, it doesn't really matter anyway. They could have talked about it then for the first time. It yeah. just doesn't matter. Yeah, I mean, and I'll say this, like, I do, because of some of the other shows that I have watched <laughs> Discovery, uh, I do feel like there is a general lack of characters having to come to terms with consequences for the things that they do. And so I do like in this episode that Londo has to come face to face and and ultimately ends up put into a position to have to kill his friend, you know, uh, against his will uh, because of what he has done it now, you know, in the grand scheme of things, as far as character arcs or whatever, does it, does it matter? Does it have a lasting impact on him? No, not really. Like you said, he was already on this path, but it was, I don't know, I guess to me at least it had some value in, in showing that, yeah, this character does have to suffer, you know, some, some of the consequences of what he's done. Mm-hmm. So more hard hitting questions for us. Is there a baseball league on B5? Yeah. It's those purple and green drowsy. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. When when the Drazi, you know, get done beating the hell out of each other, they go play baseball. I'm guessing they don't, given their dislike of Earthers, and I use that term very specifically because that's the same um, same slur they threw at them. I do love the fact that going to what was mentioned by the newbies, we were told just a few episodes ago that the command staff had too big of quarters, but we do have room for a baseball diamond. So. Yes. Engineering, planning, strategy. Well, there's the baseball diamond helps at morale because they can all go and play baseball and remember home. Maybe Ivanova's shower or Sheridan shower helps with morale too. I don't know. That's just one person though. You you assume. Yeah. Okay, moving on. <laughs> Will Londo put a better effort into finding out what is going on back home? Everyone's got checked out. I mean, I feel like I've done all the talking so far, so I was doing quiet. I don't I don't oh. think so. I think Londo has accepted that he is the guy whose hands will be dirty, and that's just the role that he plays in the greater Centauri destiny. Well, I mean, but he does say in the episode, I need to do a better job of paying attention. Yeah, I don't think he does. Yeah. <laughs> and even if he does, I don't think it changes much of anything. I mean, you know, yeah. Rifa really runs runs things uh other than you know when the the new emperor starts to assert his authority and really that's only for the most masochistic stuff um and and most selfish stuff so i don't really think that him paying any more attention is going to make any difference whatsoever i don't think he cares honestly i think he cares about the result how it happens how it gets there you know this thing about seeing the sausage being made he he doesn't want to do that part he just knows he has an outcome that he wants and it's getting there. Yeah. It's, it's, it's maybe not even a matter of caring or not. I do. I think he cares a little, but not enough to bother doing anything different. Yeah. You know, I think he's genuinely taken aback by, you know, Rifa kind of leaving him on the outside of certain things. I think he's genuinely taken aback by, you know, his, his friend's family being condemned. I think he's genuinely taken aback by the prime, finding out the prime minister was murdered, but also in the back of my mind, I assume he probably on some level knew that was going to happen or what did happen and just was like, Oh, that's terrible. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
So, and I think we already answered this one with what we just said, but will yeah. Londo's interactions with Rifa change? Um, not really, not at least for now. And we'll get into the predictions in a moment and talk it's, more about it's it. the Starbucks principle. I'm outraged by their cups, but I'm still gonna go there. Yeah, well, same thing. We had this conversation about Chick Fil A off the, uh, yes. off the recording last week. Like, fuck Chick Fil A, but goddamn, their chicken's so still good. Still gonna go get my hate chicken. Clearly, Londo is a connoisseur of the real politic way of doing things you know power is important uh power is the only and whatever whatever needs to happen to get to the result is like blake said is the sausage being made and he doesn't really care Mm -hmm. and the last one because our newbies have an infatuation with centauri dicks did Ursa get stabbed in the dick? Anyone want to add to that, or can I just move on? No, I'm. I'm just saying with with this group. I think if we do the gift exchange at Christmas again, some of these people are going to get a bag of gummy dicks. Just given their obsession <laughs> with dicks, somebody in this group is getting sent a bag of dicks this year. Get them all like stuffed animals of octopi and just call it a day. Like here's your tentacle porn. Enjoy. <laughs> okay, whatever you would like. Yeah. Moving right along to predictions, Ursa turning on Londo, having Londo kill him, causes Centauri to turn against Londo. First, I I didn't want to question Andrew because, well, it didn't really matter, but Ursa didn't turn on Londo. Mm. That wasn't the point at all. Ursa was, that was death by Londo. That was death by cop. He wanted to die to protect his family. Yeah. This isn't, um, this is, you go back and look at even Roman times, which... I think you can make an argument that Centauri are based heavily in part on on sure. Roman and French Empire, but you go back to the Roman Empire, and if people were accused of treason, they could be stripped of their property, everything that they could give to their families, and oftentimes would kill themselves before that could happen so that the inheritance of their families could be protected. That's kind of the same thing he did here. You know, he knew the only way to protect his family was to die. Yeah, I mean, I do think Urza was surprised to find out that Londo was among the conspirators that he was being condemned for rallying against. I, I, do I think La- like Urza maybe in his mind did turn against Londo to some extent? Maybe, but that isn't what happened here. That wasn't no. the relevant part of this. Like you said, it was it was it was death by Londo to protect his family. Yeah, I have no doubt Urza booked a passage to Babylon Five knowing he would not be coming back. That was his plan all along, one way or the other. Along with that, too, this is a good part to uh, say. This is where we actually had an oopsie, guys, on our Beyond the Rim a while ago. Uh, and it was called out to us on our comments section, is we actually said that Londo protected Rifa's family after he died. But it was actually Ursa that he protected. Oopsie. Londo will kill Rifa. Next best thing. Pretty much. <laughs> One of the best episodes ever. <laughs> it's an awesome episode. Yeah, and the Rock Crate Out No Hiding Place is a fantastic episode of this series. God, I'm looking forward to this is, you know, we've had a lot of people ask us to do like live reaction shows, and I think it's very hard to do. We tried it with TKO and it just didn't work. But I would give anything to watch the newbies. First reactions, when they just watch those Narn beat the shit out of Rifa until he dies, I want to watch that cathartic face that every one of them makes. I'm looking forward to it. It's a very satisfying episode because you, you, you've you seen Rifa just be the worst of the Centauri for 
uh, two seasons pretty much ish. And you're just like, God, fuck this guy. And then finally he gets his comeuppance and you're like, yes. And it's a little, it's even better. I mean, I wouldn't call it a redemption for Londo, but at least Londo makes the right choice for once. And you get that kind of positive outcome as well, too. Londo is absolutely the guy who pulls the trigger from afar. Okay. And to that point, Londo's chickens are going to come home to roost. No, they're not, which is a sad part. Londo's going to be emperor. It's going to work out for him in the worst possible way. (laughs) Well, he, he is never happy throughout the rest of the series, the rest of his life. He is, he's never happy again. I think the only time you see him in this series where he's really truly happy is with Adira and you know, that's coming so and of course that's Rifa that that kills her or has her yeah. killed so he doesn't even get to have Adira he's happy waiting for her to come off right the shuttle so you know will he get his comeuppance not really but his his reign as emperor is completely clouded by him being taken over so and him having to get drunk every night just to have any semblance of who he was but it's uh you know he 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 doesn't have any sort of happiness or or fulfillment so i suppose in that sense but i keep thinking back to the scene that we're going to get where jakar and him finally have that moment where jakar forgives him and londo knows that he's going to have to get a keeper put on him and so he's having that one last moment with jakar where he is completely of his own free will and it's just so powerful and so depressing watching Londo basically walk off to the gallows after everything he's done. But I do appreciate that JMS goes ahead and he he doesn't. He, there is no true redemption for Londo. After a while, you've done enough to where you cannot be redeemed. And I like that we've actually we see that in the main character because we don't usually get that. Usually the main characters get their, you know, Oh, I've seen the light. And after a few seasons, you'll think of me as a hero again. We don't get that with Londo. Yeah. Anything else you guys want to talk about with knives? Cool. Good talk. (laughs) Well, we'll be back here next week with confessions and lamentations. And I'm not saying it's going to be longer than this, but I'm just going to guess it's going to be a little longer than this. Just a thought. So until next week, when we talk about that episode, I'm Scott. And with me has been Mike, Mike and Kevin. Thanks everybody. Mila crossa vittima, ti vai e magri soledad, ti mai e darra vittima. Aia vita, lettero, lettero, mi gri. Ah! 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 Ah!